Hi friends, my name is Ryan Cagle and you're listening to episode 3 of season 3 of the Lessons from Dead Guys podcast. In today's episode, we're going to continue journeying through the Lenten season with an episode on the spiritual discipline of silence and how that relates to prayer and our lives as believers. Spoiler, I suck at being silent, but I'm growing more and more convinced that the intentional silence, both outward and inner, and we'll get into the difference in in the two a little bit later, is something that I desperately need to learn to better cultivate in my life, and chances are, in our noise-polluted society and culture, you may need to learn how to cultivate silence too. The world is loud, louder than ever, really. We're constantly barraged with noise, distractions, look here, look there, the TV's blaring in our living rooms, flashing lights, the sounds of cars speeding down the highway trying to get to wherever it is they think they need to be in that moment, rushing, rushing, and rushing, Um, people honking at other drivers for going too slow, the copy machine in our office running nonstop, deadlines, phone calls, meetings, text messages, the demands of Facebook and social media. Media. I mean, don't even get me started on social media, right? Facebook, like, we really need it, but we like, we can't stop. Twitter, I'm sorry. I love you, but you take up so much time. <laughs> um, you know, and the fruit of this noisy world and living in this noisy world is that, for the most part, our minds are typically just as noise polluted as the world around us. Get the kids to school, feed the dog, wash the clothes, make sure we get that report done on time. Our minds are being hardwired to never stop, to never slow down, to never quiet. And I'm wholly convinced that we're even becoming scared of silence. Like we have all these opportunities at silence, but we, we, we fill them up with all different kinds of, um, things, noise, music, podcasts, the news, you know, whatever it is, just something making silence some kind of noise we need it so it's like we have this aversion to silence we have this aversion to to being quiet and in some sense to me an aversion to silence means that we're in some ways having an aversion to rest whether that means and of course you know you can rest you can relax and listen to music or whatever but like even let our letting our minds rest we we have an aversion to it and it's kind of unnerving and it's unnerving for me because i, I really recognize it in my life and I mean, just think, just think and just take a moment and think about, um, I mean, I know you know what I mean. So just take a moment and think about like that time you sat in awkward silence at the doctor's office. I mean, like, what did we do before we had our cell phones and could just pull up Twitter and stuff, right? Because uh, those magazines are awful and, you know, we don't like to sit there in the quiet. But, um, you know, think about being in awkward silence and social engagements or you're talking to somebody and you hit that weird dead spot. You know, it's, it's crippling. It's unnerving. We don't like it. We like all those voids, those silences to be filled with talking or something. And the moment that silence Silence shows up in those kind of situations. We get on edge or whatever. My my hands start sweating. I get nervous, and then I end up inevitably saying something ridiculous or dumb. Um, and so, like, so we have this weird aversion. Our culture, we are culturally wired to have this weird aversion to silence. And I mean, even as I wrote this podcast, I had music playing. And people are like, okay, well, you like music. Yeah, you're right. I do love music. I love listening to music and I love, you know, doing that. But I think maybe on a deeper level, I could be probably uncomfortable with silence. I'm, I'm uncomfortable with sitting in silence with my own thoughts. And I, I can be honest with you about that. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that that's the case when I was listening to music earlier, but maybe on a deeper level, there's some kind of connection there because I have trouble just sitting with my own thoughts. 
just reflecting on something and not just being so preoccupied with something else. And God forbid, you know, like I had to sit in my own silence, you know, with my own thoughts, but God really forbid that I have to sit in silence with God's thoughts. And that's, you know, that's a whole other part of this podcast we're going to get into in a second. But I silence is unnerving, whether that be in social interactions, whether it be even for me as introverted as I am being alone, silence is something that's unnerving to me and especially unnerving in my prayer life. Um, and so silence is tough. It can be tough. Now, creating silence around us is a lot easier than creating silence in us. You know, turning off our phones, muting the TV, just quiet and just quieting our mind has has been the most part, honestly, though, in my experience, feels really really difficult. It's like work. It's like trying to use a muscle that hasn't been used in decades. And of course, cultivating outward silence, you know, making intentional space to turn off the TV or the phone or whatever comes more natural to some people. Some people, it's really hard. It's it's so it's become so habitual in their brains that they don't know how to function without those things. And and so becoming, you know, quieting our environments around us it might come at a, a, is it really at a much easier task than say quieting the environment in us. And so those are the two things. There's outward silence and there's inward silence. We can we can create outward silence much easier and even though it's difficult for people like me, then we can really can you know uh cultivate inward silence and rest. And and so maybe you're thinking, so what does this have to do with Lent or Jesus or following God or whatever? But I would say, like I said in my last episode, Lent is an invitation for us to enter into the wilderness with Jesus, right? And learn what it means to carry the cross. But the thing is about the wilderness is it's it's solitude. It's silence. So Lent is an invitation for us to enter into the solitude of the wilderness with Jesus, to enter into the silence that that teaches us what it means to bear the weight of the cross, this silence that helps us commune with God, this silence that angels are able to feed us and tend to us. And I'm using that more in a metaphorical sense for any of you that might be just worried about my mental state. Uh, now, if you believe in angels, that's great. I do not think I don't believe in angels, but on a more metaphorical sense, silence is a place for our souls to be filled with the spirit and, and be touched and commune with God on deep, a deep level. And so with Jesus, you know, he entered into the silence of the wilderness for 40 days. He spent those 40 days in solitude in silence before he ever spoke a word of the gospel to the world before he ever proclaimed the kingdom of God, before he ever spoke um, about his mission in this world, he spent 40 days in silence. And not only did he spend 40 days in silence before he preached the gospel, but on more than one occasion, we see Jesus withdrawing himself, like hiding away, ducking out from the crowds and the exhaustion and the noisiness and the busyness of what it means to be the Messiah, right? And healing these people and being such a great teacher, it's got to be exhausting. So what does he do? He, he, he stows away. He hides. He rests. He sits. He goes back into solitude and into silence to where he can be alone with God. And so I think, you know, even though Jesus didn't teach specifically on the value and the discipline of learning to silence, silence ourselves and quiet, become, you know, quiet our minds, I believe that we can see that he emulated it in how he lived, that he showed us that there's something very important about silencing ourselves and, and quieting the environment around us so we can quiet what's in us and we can replenish ourselves and commune with God. And if you look through all of our traditions, our, our church traditions, it's it's there. It's in Scripture and in countless, countless traditions and voices with through church history 
um, have spoken about this need for silence. But, you know, some things I was just thinking of when I was writing this podcast, writing this stuff up for this uh, episode was like Elijah. He didn't hear the Lord in the whirlwind or the earthquake or in the, the raging fire, but he heard him in the still small voice. You know, um, the scriptures even say that it was in silence that uh, Isaiah learned or Isaiah learned in quietness and confidence. Out of silence comes great prophets, right? Moses is in the wilderness or in the desert, right? Alone with just the sheep and bam, he, he experiences God. Amos is out on the hillside. John the Baptist spends his, is in the wilderness and experiencing God. And Paul withdrew to Arabia for three years before he ever stepped back foot out into what it meant and, and became um, declaring this message of the good news of the gospel. So this cultivation of silence has a huge role to play in our spirituality. And I think we can see that through scripture and then we can see it through the church fathers. We can see it through the the desert fathers we can see it through all all these people the the mystics in our traditions we Saint Isaac of Syria all these different people have spoken about this benefit that comes with silence and so one one particular quote I really wanted to focus on today was Saint John of the Cross he said silence is the first language of God. And by that, what, what he's getting at is that silence is beyond words. It's beyond images and metaphors and, and, and our spirits can, they are in silence. Our spirits can encounter God on a deeper level than anywhere else. Silence is a place where deep calls out to deep. Speaking of silence and contemplation, he goes on to say, in contemplation, God teaches the soul very quietly and secretly without its knowing, knowing how, without the sound of words and without the, without the help of bodily or spiritual faculty. It's in silence and in quietude, in darkness to all sensory and natural things. Silence has been, like I said, a, a discipline that has permeated our whole faith tradition from the Orthodox hesychasm to the, the desert fathers and mothers retreating to solitude in the wilderness and practicing silence to the, you know, the Carmelite tradition of contemplative practices, which is, um, John the Cross, Teresa of Avila, you know, belong to that tradition and, you know, just, and, monasticism in, in general, contemplative, contemplative prayer, centering prayer, meditation, are all forms of prayer that revolve around this idea of cultivate, <laughs> cultivating inner silence. And like I said earlier, I think these disciplines and practices have more relevance now than ever. I know in my life they're becoming more relevant than I can even put into words. And so this practice of silence, this cultivating silence outwardly and inwardly has such, has such um, a huge part to play in our lives because our, our world's noisy. It's loud. It's, we're, like I said earlier, we're, you know, we're bombarded by all these different noises and demands and whether they be internal or external. And we would do so good in society and in our culture now to learn to just quiet down. Just to retreat, to draw back, to to go to the place and and try to you know seek God, so we can enter into you know into contemplative practices and we can experience the Spirit of God in ways that are deeper than all of our metaphors and all of our words and that are beyond our predispositions or whatever. You know these practices like centering prayer and contemplative contemplative prayer, um, we can kind of be taught how to be led into those things. And um, I think Thomas Merton put it this way. He says, I have no program to teach you how, how to 
enter into, you know, like how to be a contemplative person or use it. So like he talks about, of course, there's ways for us to, to practice centering prayer and things like that. But what, what he says is that he says basically that these are the things that God will invite you into. But he says the gates of heaven are, Thomas Merton said that the gates of heaven are everywhere. And so what he, what he's trying to say is that, you know, it's, it's obscure. It's ambiguous. This silence is not something that comes natural or easy to us, but if you're willing and, and, you're willing to open yourself up and you begin to try to quiet your mind and, and seek God in silence that the spirit of God and the gates of heaven will be open to you. And you will, you can enter into this holy silence where God as John of the cross said, works and moves and heals in our lives in ways that are beyond words, beyond spiritual and bodily, you know, and mental faculties in that darkness, in that solitude of, of silence, the wilderness of silence. And so, like these practices, like I said, of centering prayer and contemplative prayer, they we can we can be taught what they are, but we can't be led into those things by anyone other than God and by the Spirit. And like me, I'm kind of stumbling through them. <laughs> like these practices, they, they've become beneficial to me, but I've, I'm really stumbling through them. But I, I'm seeing so much fruit in them, and I'll get to that kind of more in a minute. But like these practices, like they they help us, as the scriptures say, to take take every thought captive. They help instill in us the mind of Christ. They lead us to the center of ourselves, our true selves, a vastly more authentic self that exists beyond all the noise and all of our predispositions and all of our insatiable needs and demands of our little I egos right they they help uh, they help lead us to god by getting past all the veils of noise um, in our minds and in the world around us and and god because god is present within us we're the temples of the holy spirit and we and what we need is in a constant inner attentiveness to his spirit in us and in the world around us you know, we need this attentiveness to the Word of God that is constantly speaking within our hearts of, of the Father's vast love for us. And I think that's so important. I think it, we, if we can become to a place where we can be so attentive to the Spirit that we can know and experience the depths of God's love in ways that we haven't before. And I think that silence is an avenue by which that can happen. Um, and so silence is a way of kind of in a way of it's like surrendering to God's love. It's it's letting our minds rest as we descend into the heart where we can experience the vehement love of God and we can we can be awakened to that love and to the to the to the experience of who God is and what he's doing in in us and in our lives and in our hearts. And so like for me this year specifically learning to practice inward and outward silence means learning when to speak. Or I guess in a better yet, when to tweet maybe or post on social media. It's it's about choosing my words more wisely. It's about learning to say better things and not let my tongue be so reactive to the world around me. And and so like my brain, you know, we're hardwired. We have our we have our prefrontal cortex and we have our amygdala. And for so much, our, our prefrontal cortex, you know, it's what helps create empathy and it, it helps create us to be able to process through our emotions and and all these things. But our amygdala. It's like our, our our rat brain or our lizard brain. It's our it's reactive, right? It's fight or flight, and so so often we're so. I guess ran from the amygdala that we're so reactive, defensive, or responsive to everything that happens to us, and and I think uh, contemplative prayer and, and practicing the way of silence helps helps 
undo that. And I think there's actually, and I don't have the studies for it, but there, there's scientific proof that that prayer and meditation helps us become more um, attentive to the world around us, less reactive, less defensive to the things around us, and helps us to be more, I guess, prefrontal lobed, uh, ruled, I guess. And, and so through those things, I think for me, is that this practicing silence is about learning to say those better things. It's learning not to be reactive. It's learning not to, to respond in such quick, like, reflexive ways and and so for me whether that be I, I have a hard time shutting up it's hard for me whether that be on social media or in-person interactions because i get nervous and i just talk and talk and talk and talk and i say something ridiculous like i mentioned earlier um to prevent that weird silence from happening or you know even in my prayer life i have a hard time just shutting up i have a hard time being quiet i have a hard time quieting my mind and and not just bouncing from thought to thought to thought and and taking every thought captive is not something that comes naturally easy to me and i'm not sure it comes naturally easy to anyone but through the spirit's work in me and through practice just trying to intentionally practice silence i've been seeing to where that my ability by the power of the Spirit to, to take those thoughts captive has increased. Like, I, I've not been so reactive. I've not been so defensive. My wife may say the opposite. I'm not sure, but she's not here to to discredit me right now. But I, I don't feel like I've been as reactive. I don't feel like I've been as um, so quick to respond to things in, in a negative way. I've been able to reflect and think and then give an answer or, or whatever it is, you know. And... I have a hard time just listening. I have a hard time being present. And I think practicing silence in this Lenten season has already helped me so much to learn how to be present with my family more, to be present with my friends more, to be present wherever I am, to be attentive to the people around us and be, or be attentive to the people around me rather. And I think silence can help us be a learn to be attentive to the world around us. Silence is not a way to escape the world. It's not a, you know, this solitude that we're talking about is not a way to escape those things. Um, but it's a way for us to learn to be attentive to those things, to the world around us, to be attentive to the Spirit of God working in the world around us, in the lives of the people around us, and be attentive to the Spirit of God in those people and in in those kinds of things. That's why this this practicing silence, I think, is so important because it's a way for us to learn to truly be awake to the world around us and to what God's doing in the world. Um and so, like I said, I'm, I'm learning to just be present and I'm learning to allow the spirit to lead me to inward silence. And, and I'm learning how and when to speak things that need to be spoken. And the spirit is teaching me through contemplative prayer and practicing silence to rest in her wings, to, to not be, like I said, not be reactive to everything around me. One, another quote that I really wanted to focus on other than St. John of the Cross's uh, quote on, on silence being the first language of God was this, and it's, it's a quote from one of the Desert Fathers, and it's anonymous. We don't know who actually said it, but it's a saying that we have, that we, we've been handed, and it says, if you need a spiritual pilgrimage, begin by closing your mouth. And so we don't have to be like the Desert Fathers. We don't have to be like the monks. We don't have to go and live in solitude and silence to experience this, this silence, this contemplative connection with God. 
We don't have to sell everything we own, retreat into the wilderness. Our pilgrimage, our learning to experience God, our maturing in Christ begins when we learn to close our mouths, to listen, to be present in the world around us, but also to be present to God in us, in the God, in the thing, in everything around us. To allow ourselves to move beyond all the noise and experience the Spirit of God in the center of our being. This calming of our minds begins when we learn to shut our mouths. And I'm experiencing that. I've been experiencing that in this Lenten season, um, not as much as I would like, because my mind is rampant. I'm full of worry and anxiety and all these different things, but I'm learning by the Spirit in this silence when I shut my mouth, and I can let the Spirit lead me into this holy silence, into this contemplative place, into this this place where I can be centered and I can experience God in ways that metaphors and words and images can't account for. And I'm thankful for that. So, you know, we, if you need a spiritual pilgrimage, if you, you've got this longing, you need these answers, you want to grow into these things, you're, you're tired and you're restless, then shut your mouth. That's where you begin. Shut your mouth and see and experience whatever it is the Spirit may be, may be wanting to do. And I'm, I'm fully, people talk about like God not speaking anymore. Think I've heard that before. God's silent. I'm, I'm not sure God's silent. I'm not so sure God's silent. I'm just, I just don't think we listen. And I think we don't listen because the world is, is so busy. Our lives are so busy and noisy that everything, we let everything else drown out that still small voice. I like the way Henry uh, Nguyen said it. He said it this way. Um, he said, we have to fashion for our we have to fashion our own desert where we can withdraw every day, shake off our compulsions, and dwell in the gentle healing presence of our Lord. Um, and I think that was much more eloquently put than anything I just said. But you know, he's saying that you know we don't have to run off to those desert places. We 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 can just cultivate it here. We can learn to cultivate silence here and learn to experience the deep presence of God in our hearts and in the center of who we are, the healing that we need to be able to shake off these compulsions and just be with God. And like I said, I really can't put into words how beneficial incorporating silence and contemplative practices into my daily prayer habits have been for me. Uh, Some of the days... The silence lasts longer than others. Some days I don't really feel, and I just used air quotes, like I got anything out of it, but I'm seeing the fruit of it in my life, you know, and it, it's not about feeling anything, but when, when you're doing it and you're doing it faithfully, whether it be, whether it lasts three minutes or 30 minutes or whatever, the fruit is going to happen in your life. And I believe that. And, you know, like I'm experiencing the peace of God in ways I've never experienced it before. I'm, I'm learning to be slow to speak and, and quick to listen. And like I said, all my my reactionary reflexes are being dwindled away. And I think that's, I, I give that to the fact of contemplative prayer. I give that to learning to allow the spirit to cultivate silence in my heart and in my mind and learning to take those thoughts captive by the power of the spirit. And so um, I can't I can't recommend those things enough. And I really I guess I'm not so much of authority on those things to be teaching you and explaining to you every single detail about centering prayer or contemplative practices. But I'm hoping that this episode will kind of push you at least in maybe looking into those things. And because there's so many resources, and I'll, I'll I'm going to put some links in the show notes because I really some of these resources that I've used or books I've used have helped me so much, especially in the last few years. And the last few years of because like I come from Pentecostalism, right? I come from um, the charismatic tradition about feeling God, right? I I felt God, I felt the Spirit move, and all these things. Um, 
that I, I say I can attest to that whether they could be explained away or not, it's irrelevant to me. But it, coming from that tradition and then moving into a place to where I don't feel God that way anymore, that I don't, um, and I, I use that term feel kind of loosely. It's it's just one of those things, you know. <laughs> but like moving into a season of life where I just felt like God was gone, and it says I know He's not gone, but I just didn't feel Him like I did. There wasn't that. Um, I don't know. It's just like before there was times like the air just felt thick, if that makes sense. And, and so, but contemplative practices and, and learning to practice silence and let the Holy Spirit lead me into those things has begun to produce fruit in my life that I, I think is so much better than the fruit that I, I thought that I've been missing for years. So, um, like I said, the contemplative practices have been such a, such a blessing to me and they're, they're deeply embedded in our Christian faith. They're deeply embedded in our traditions and our theology and, and experiencing God and, and, you know, the mysticism that runs through our, our faith and the history of our faith. So it's something that I've learned to be of just utmost importance to me in the last couple of years. As, and I'm still, like I said, I'm stumbling through those practices, but I hope that this podcast will help encourage you to begin to try to cultivate silence, to look more into contemplative practices, to learn more and open yourself up to quieting the world around you and quieting the world inside of you so you can experience God in a new and fresh, maybe a new and fresh way. Um, like I said, I'm going to put some notes and I'm going to put some links and stuff in the show notes for stuff. Um, there's some people that have done great things to help on contemplative practices and to teach you about those things and lead you into to those things um, or show you what they are, point towards it rather. Um, one of the most, I guess, beneficial things for me and uh, has been uh, a thing that uh, Pastor Brian Zahn puts on in his prayer school, and he puts it on a few times a year. And if you get the chance to go to that, I encourage it. And I, I encourage you so much because last um, last July it was it was so good. Like I got so much out of that weekend. Me, me and my, one of my best friends, um, we drove up to Missouri from Alabama. It was like 10 or 11 hours. I don't remember. Um, and went up there for a weekend just to, to be immersed in prayer school. I mean, it sounds, it kind of sounds strange, right? Teaching people how to pray, but it, it's true. Like, uh, in all my years of, you know, being a Christian so far, I, I realized I knew so little about prayer and, and what contemplation was and, and being led by the Spirit into prayer in, in, in new ways has just been fantastic for my life. It's been, it's been a, a breath of fresh air for me since last July. So, um, if you get a chance, go to that. And like I said, I'm going to put some other stuff in the show notes for you. Um, and so I just hope that, like I said, I hope this episode just kind of helped push you towards maybe at least checking in or learning to turn your phone, like pushing you maybe to give you the idea to just turn your phone off, you know, to be quiet. To, when you pray, give, give time to be quiet. Give, give, give yourself time to listen. No, don't just give all your petitions and your intercessions or whatever to God and then go. Get, close your mouth and allow the Spirit to carry you down this winding path towards the Spirit of God, toward, towards the love of God. And so thank you for listening. This has been episode three of season three. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I have some exciting things coming up, and I'm pretty excited about it. The Our XL Liturgy store is going to be evolving over the next few months. I have a lot of products I've been working on that I was hoping would have been done for launch that obviously are not. Um, but I'm excited about getting those things out to you. If you want to support the show, you can do that, or you can do it through Patreon right now. Um 
I I don't I don't want to come. But there's nothing about making like a lot of money off this thing. Um, but if you would if you feel led to partner with us, you can do so through Patreon, and that would help you know cover just the basic cost of me making this thing happen. The web hosting costs, um, the podcast hosting costs, the production and stuff like that. Um, you know, so if you you believe in it and it's something that's blessing you and you feel like the Lord's leading you into that, I would be I would just be so grateful. Um and even even more so than that, just sharing the episodes um on social media does so much. Writing a review on iTunes literally would just like make my absolute day. So if you you can do any of those things, you don't have to pay me anything for anything. You could just write a review for me or just share it. Any of those things would just bless me so much. And so um, if you take time to do that, I would just really appreciate it. And uh, if you don't, if you're not signed up for our, our newsletter, I say a newsletter, I don't really know what to call it. It's called Signpost, and it's once a month I send out a devotional that is involved around lessons from dead guys and, you know, things like that and spiritual practices. So it's a devotional, once a month devotional uh, called Signpost. It's for those wondering. And if it's something um, you're not a part of, I would love to have you a part on. Um, through the whole season of Lent, uh, if you sign up and subscribe, you're going to get my free Lenten devotional that's based on the Stations of the Cross. Um, so there's some incentive there. And right now I'm in the talks of getting it published, which is really cool in print format so people can have it if they want to have a physical copy, which would just be super cool to me. So um, if you want, you can sign up for Signpost, and you can get that devotional for absolutely free. Um, and then just hear from me one time a month in your email, and, you know, it'll be fun. So anyways, thanks uh, for listening. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and Lord and Jesus Christ.